0: Corporal's Almanac. This is Andy, and today we are following up last week's episode on the fundamentals of compost to dig deeper into the bigger framework of compost with the folks over at the Denver Compost Collective. The Denver Compost Collective provides a weekly compost collection service for apartment dwellers in the city of Denver, but it's about much more than saving organic matter from the landfills. The collective is framed in building community and working towards healthy local food systems. The community farm partners regularly receive compost directly from the Denver Compost Collective, supporting the farm's efforts to grow local, healthy, natural foods right in their communities. This model is unique and one that can be replicated in many cities across the country, and that's what this conversation is about. How do we take something as simple as compost to build community? And much like the fungi that feed the plants, how can compost help us build roots that help prepare us for a future that will require us to be more resilient. Take a listen to this episode. I'm sure you'll be inspired. And if you'd like to get involved with the Denver Compost Collective, their information is in the show notes. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us. This will be a fun interview because I'm joined by the whole team over at the Denver Compost Collective. Did I say that right? It was Denver Compost Collective, correct? It is. It's a mouthful. Yeah, I was like, is it cooperative or collective? But it is collective. I cooperative, give us time. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm joined by a number of folks. I'll let them introduce themselves. I'll start with you, uh, Sean.
1: Sure, I'm Sean, I'm the worker owner currently. Uh, the goal that for our organization is to become a worker cooperative, um, but it just takes time and lots of things coming together, right, so, and I, you know, it takes people People uh, choosing it in their own ways in the meantime. So it's been around for a little over five years here in Denver. And we get paid to pick up people's food waste from apartment dwellers specifically. Uh, So it's small scale pickups and small volume compost production that we do. And then we partner with community farms that are doing the right things in our area. And then we, we give it to them for free. So we just try to make that our main goal, but it sits in the background. Our main goal is to take care of the farm partner, but we get paid to pick up food waste. Cool.
2: Hello, my name is Kira. I am basically a worker with Sean doing compost as well as marketing and sales.
3: Uh, My name is Daniel. Um, I'm pretty much uh, here for the dirty work Uh, food, you know, food collection, compost making, smelling like rotting food all day. I can't (laughs) say it's a bad thing, honestly. I do enjoy it. Um, (laughs) See, I'm down to be part of that and kind of be part of the thing that our work is going towards. That's definitely been a thing for me is, you know, food security, um, self-reliance, just, yeah, things along those lines. Awesome.
4: Hi there, my name is Jimmy and um, I drive the, uh, the box truck around uh, Denver to pick up the compost pails from all the people who are participating in the program. Yeah, we do that three days a week and we pick up you know hundreds of of pails every day every day that we're out there and um you know we work with lots of apartment complexes and uh households and we with a lot of pails at the end of the day so uh, that's that's you know at this point that's my role with the uh with the company and um uh, you know i i didn't think that i was going to sign up to be a a, tr- a truck driver but uh that's kind of just how it how it ended up cuz here you are you're the guy that everyone waves to now right yeah. driving down the road yeah and
0: and you've got the you've got a farm as well right
4: yeah so i do there's probably about maybe between an eighth and a quarter of an acre in full cultivation I grow vegetables as well as um, medicinal herbs that you'd use, that you'd find in like teas and tinctures and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it's an it's an urban farm located in uh, in, in Denver. And um, tell the name, man. Yeah. It's it's called the it's called the Counter Beat Farm and uh, Folk School. It's Just you know, been farming for over a decade now, or you know, farming and gardening. But you know, this is a this is the first project that I've taken on that I am just taking taking responsibility for and stewarding, and uh, it's a bit of a process, you know. But making making a lot of progress, yeah. We have composted over here about two two different iterations, one for about four months, and then one for about six months, and uh, yeah. So you know, have definitely done the uh, the jobs of. Making the compost piles, yeah, as well as the whole kind of scope of you know farming. So it's uh, so I don't have a lot of friends and I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, that's that's kind of that's kind of how it goes. You know, so. awesome. So
0: Sean, Sean, how did uh, this all start? Like, what what made you say, you know, what I need to start collecting people's old banana peels? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. To be perfectly honest, it was a pretty vulnerable moment. Uh, I was living in my car and uh, there's this cool cafe that you can go to on Colfax in Denver that you can pay what you can afford, but it's organic food grown locally, primarily vegetarian. But yeah, I just had a hard time affording a meal at the time and I went into this place and it meant a lot to eat that food and I couldn't help myself, to, but like I made a promise to the food <laughs> that I'd do right by it. Uh, that got me composting just on an individual level. And then after that, I just realized other people feel moved by it closing the loop and being a part of the system that feeds them
4: from, from what I remember, Sean also did a, uh, a student organization at, uh, on our, on our local campus about a decade or so ago. And just to kind of, you know, give listeners a sense of like his dedication. You know, I remember I saw him in the, in, the, in this hallway of this building one time and, I was talking to him, but he was staring at the apple core in my hand. <laughs> and uh, he just had his eye on it. It's like, hey, can I take that? <laughs> and I was like, Jesus Christ. Dude, sure. Okay. Really taking this seriously. And, you know, that's, that's uh, yeah, it's been, you know, 10, 12 years. Um, since, you know, things have been, um, you know, this, this world of composting has been a thing and, um, you know, it evolved from, you know, just ideas to, uh, you know, kind of, you know, just kind of this principles and aspirations to student groups and then, you know, business and, you know, working with different gardens, building gardens. And then, you know, eventually it transformed into this, uh, Denver compost collection. You said you guys collect
0: hundreds of buckets. I'm curious what your If you guys have an idea of what you guys are harvesting about a year in terms of compost.
1: Yeah, Jimmy tested me on this question just last night. He's like, "You better have an answer." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I do have an answer, um, and it's 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 one that that I'm I'm happy to share with your listening audience, but I've not shared it with any other audience because I don't really. Um, we're happy to support anybody who's thinking in radical terms. Anybody who's thinking in system change, in liberation terms, we can tell them anything they want to know about what we're doing from the inside out. In fact, they can come see us. But yeah, I, I don't really care to take care of who, who's trying to compete and kind of cut corners and type of thing. So, anyway, having said that, our volumes are really light. We don't do much in volume. When you think about uh, what it means to be a composter, they're talking in you know thousands of tons at at, at the at the low level. So we're nowhere near that. Um, And that is actually intentional because the goal of the company is to partner with small scale food producers. And we are forced by the regulations in Colorado to keep things at a certain scale at any one site. So what it does ideally is it forces us to have a real working relationship with our farm partner. And that's also just lucky that our city is going to actually be providing free composting to households. And that could have taken us out as a small operator, but since we're so niche, we only serve apartment dwellers and that's just kind of a a, a conundrum for these big operators and their big trucks, um, we're able to keep it moving. So anyway, to answer your question more specifically, right now we're producing finished compost in the just about 125 cubic yards a year. And that's from the membership of right now we're at 650 and growing pretty quickly so it means as we grow we're forced to tune into our ecosystem and develop other farm partnerships <laughs> for where it all ends up yeah yep
2: so the definition yeah. of community like if any any member that joins this join, that is a part mm-hmm. of this organization given their their food waste they're a part of something that is based in passion based in love like part building partnerships and putting their food waste back into the ground so that they can feed their families with something that is built from like a, a positive energy on an energetic level and a spiritual level. It's so, so impactful and it tastes damn good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you say only that scale, but having worked in landscaping, like moving a hundred yards, hundred plus yards of anything, it, it, it's a lot when you start thinking about like food and like how quickly like if you make compost, you'd throw a bunch of stuff uh, in a pile and it just shrinks. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a lot of food waste you're going through. And that's awesome that you're putting it to use. So I think personally, as somebody that composts and utilizes a couple different methods, it becomes really interesting because you need other materials, not just food. And you also have to limit things like meat products and things like that, depending on how you're composting. So um, I'm curious about that kind of more logistical component. You know, how do you guys decide how you're doing things and Do you have to incorporate those browns, or do you rely on other people? Do the farmers have to do that?
3: Somebody want to?
2: The browns, the leaves. So the method is, do you want to method? Yeah. Yeah,
1: sure. Tell them the mix.
2: um, The mix is two in one. So you're getting your browns, your um, and. I'm, I'm a chemist. <laughs> I'm like, this category. I'm like, okay, so nitrogen, you're getting your nitrogen, you're putting it with the, um, so it's two, one browns, which is, um, your leaves and everything, then mulch. Um, and then, uh, two buckets of compost. Yeah.
0: So, so are you guys providing that or is the farmer handling all that? You're just bringing them the food.
2: Yeah. So with the, with the leaves, you all, you all can better explain this better than I can, but, um, and if I miss anything, let me know. That's all right. Basically during fall, Leaves are collected around their neighborhood neighborhoods in big bags and saved for this purpose throughout the year um, to incorporate that within. so it's basically a community effort to get the leaves together and get us basically squared away for.
0: Realistically, that's pretty simple compared to like trying to come up with leaves every week yeah. brown yeah. material every week carbon and you yeah. know well, we don't have enough, what do we do? Uh, Now, do you guys have any problems in terms of like people putting things in compost that they shouldn't be or because of the scale that kind of uh, regulates itself?
3: I think as people are getting more familiar with this process and the intricacies of the proper things to compost, they're getting better. But I mean, I'll still find whole roasted chickens, um, you know, just bones, nothing crazy, but, you know, people will tissues they blew their nose with. There's still, I think people have a, I think this opportunity too is is gonna allow people to kind of understand again, what actually makes, what makes what makes the world, what makes our food, what makes the soil. Because yeah, like I said, people will just, you know, I'll get plastic, pieces of plastic all the time, things that just have no business in, I'd still call food prep in my mind. I mean, composting, you know, um, trying to make sure that all your microbes are balanced, trying not to cause pathogens, I think those things are it's not just throw your food away and it turns into compost it's definitely uh and I, I think people are getting better with it and i think us as the intermediates on that on as the you know kind of segue for people is to educate them better on what to compost because um, like i said people will give me oh shit, i don't know you know just 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 whatever they don't even want they, they think it's a somehow somehow putting in a compost bin
1: cancels it out as being garbage but it's still. (laughs) yeah i I get that seeing what people throw away yeah Yeah. there's a term in the industry called wish cycling or or, um uh it's similar words like it and it's it's something that uh every recycler or composter has to battle because you, you 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 want to feel good about sending off that you know if you look at the average recycling bin it's like half trash right you know even in a city like denver that's supposedly informed it's pretty atrocious our program solves that, but we still have catches like ways that we can, uh, kind of stop gaps that we can, we can pull it out of the process before it makes it to the, to the soil. But the first and foremost way that we do that is by small containers, by people who are pretty well informed and knowing, knowing basically that they're paying money for a service. Do you really want to pay money for a service? If you put a whole chicken in a bucket and we just had to get rid of that, you know, like in in a literal landfill, like uh, it's, it's, it, we, people discipline themselves pretty well. And then we catch them yeah. <laughs> and then we can follow up with that person who had that fail. So when it's an individual pale, it's just totally different than a large community bin. We all love to do things in community, but some things are better held accountable when we can go to a single person and say, Hey, you, you know, <laughs> remember this is what our goal is. And uh, you have to do that. Otherwise you got to go.
0: Yeah. Community doesn't work if there isn't a personality to or a personalness to it, mm-hmm. uh, where if you, you know, if you have a community bucket and you don't know who's dumping what, then it's not really a community. It's just something you're all using. Mm -hmm. There's a subtle difference there. And I think that's because of the way we live, um, that that doesn't necessarily translate, even if that's our intent. Mm -hmm. That's something I experienced. Uh, I used to live in Italy and they, you know, they have like 15 different bins for different things. And one of them was compost, but you would see tons of garbage in everything, even though they use the small bins because it's like, there's one giant dumpster basically on every, in every neighborhood. You don't know your neighbors. Like, no, it's 2010 then, but you know, no, nobody knows their neighbors in the the modern era really. Mm -hmm. And without that, that uh, accountability to one another, you know, community is just like a a buzzword.
1: Yeah. True. And our job is to share the story of the farm where it ends up. Mm -hmm. And when they get that vibe, uh, people really do discipline themselves uh, pretty darn well. And then with just like I say, with a little bit of a personal accountability when the time comes, if that person has a repeated issue, it does end it at the start. That's the trick with this whole thing. Don't try to catch this stuff downstream as much as you put you know, 90, 90% of your effort should go at the start, the first interaction. So really clear information with images is ideal. Images of what can go in the pail, what shouldn't, you know, like your dirty dozen things that shouldn't go in. These are ways that we can improve our, our contamination rate. But I will say that we consider a chicken bone contamination for our program. Whereas if you go to any industrial process, it's microplastics, it's pharmaceuticals, it's chemicals, it's, it's yeah. radioactive material. It can be literally all the nastiest stuff that humans produce can be in some of that compost. So the fact that it's small pail pickups and that it's food waste centric and leaves and then wood chips from trusted tree services, that's how you control, God, I don't even know, well over 99% of what could be in there.
0: Yeah, I think about here personally, again, I guess use my own examples, the town I live in does a lot of like massive composting and not too far away recently, they found out that PCBs had ended up in, or PFAs rather, had ended up in the wastewater from uh, a site that was site uh, processing composting, because again, they're going at such a scale that they can't really track effectively what's going through their uh, streams. And, um, you know, unfortunately nasty stuff gets in there now, uh, with chicken bones, you, even at this I'm surprised, even at the scale you guys are at that, you can't compost it. I'm assuming you don't want people to do it because then there'll be too much of it. That's right. I imagine that you guys could compost some of it.
1: Our program purposely avoids it. And it's just to keep it simple for our farm partners. So we don't have pests. We don't have the possibility of viruses or anything like that. Our process is super kind of like. Batch, small batch, you know, uh, done with primarily hand tools. So uh, we do have the ability to to have a super effective. They call it PFRP, but a process to further reduce pathogens. So we're hitting 131 degrees for a couple of weeks and killing off anything <clears> that could hurt you. But the occasional chicken bone is not necessarily the issue. It's just a matter of kind of setting that standard at the start that sure. um, yeah. the program is built for the farm. So if these materials don't end up actually serving our purpose. Then we're just going to keep them out, and we're all going to play that game together. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. So, how does
0: it work in terms of like how do how do people like buy into this? And um, is it just a I want to feel good about myself, so I'm contributing to this, or is there some an actual benefit for people that are contributing their food waste?
2: Just to piggyback off of um, what Sean said earlier, you were talking about. I love the fact that you included community as a buzzword because it is a buzzword for people mm-hmm. right now. It's something that is like cool. It's an aesthetic and that's bullshit to be quite frank with you. (laughs) You know, it's bullshit. This is like, you're, you're, when you, when you buy into, when you I'm, I'm just in that place right now in my life personally, where if I buy into something, I really want to make sure that it's beneficial to, to the world. It's not just beneficial to me. It's beneficial to, to what I want to be and what I want to continue growing into. And, um, but, when people buy into this, um, you're paying 25 bucks to um, get a pill um, and get put your food waste in this in this pill. You get to pick what size, um, depending on your household size, um, and you actually get an incentive to where you can actually get compost back for yourself to put on you in your own on your plants or on your own garden, which is really cool. Like, I mean, the the whole process of this thing is so um, amazing. It's really amazing to be a part of. And to uh, with marketing, we've passed out flyers to people, and people have this excitement. There's mm-hmm. like a glow in their face when they see these flyers, and they're like, "Oh, this is a part of a farm. This is awesome." Mm-hmm. And I remember my first day when I flyer Rashawn, I didn't know what to expect. I'm thinking that I'm going to be out there, you know, <laughs> trying to give somebody a flyer, and they're like, "Fuck you!" Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I don't know if I can curse. I'm you okay. like, You're good. <laughs> and these people were really they were, they were so excited to take this piece of paper that they were essentially ready to use and find, find more information about. Um, so of course you, every business is going to, is going to have their, their pros and cons where, you know, there are some people who are for the aesthetic and they want to be able to post about what they're doing. Right. And then you have those people who are really trying to grow into being a better person for themselves and the environment. And so, they, you know, have that sense of passion. And those are the people that essentially we want to be a part of the Denver Compost Collective. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I think all of this is underscored by politics for a number of reasons, right? When we're talking about reducing waste, when we're talking about closed loop systems, we're talking about how do we build community through basically. And I guess you might not think of food waste as being part of your food ways, but it, it really is. It, it reflects You know that that whole cycle and in a way that i think people sometimes we don't like to think about the waste we create and the way our lifestyle creates waste and no one wants to think about the fact that the diaper they wore 30 40 years ago is still sitting in a landfill somewhere like that's just it's a reality but we don't we don't want to engage with Mm it whereas i think this is taking that and flipping it into this look at what we can create even in in something such as waste So I don't know, Sean, if you could speak a little bit about maybe the the politics and how that frames up what you're doing and underscores the work and where you'll continue to go with this project.
1: I am so glad we're on your podcast and talking about this. (laughs) That's fantastic. It's kind of like the obvious thing to look at first if we're going to try to be effective, right, is what's the power structure we're operating in? How are we influenced? And how are we reclaiming our ability to act? You know, I think the reason some people myself included, and I think our crew, we get involved in composting is because it's right there in our hands. Every day, it's right here, it's a relationship that somebody informed us is dealt with by putting it away on a linear system to pay some unknown agency to put it in a pile and create climate change and lead shade and all the things that come from landfills. What we don't know commonly is that those people are on boards, the people who run those landfills and often sustainability boards at a city, a county, levels that are way past our range of influence, unfortunately, but they make policies that kind of cut our capacity to change anything. It's, it's a profitable industry to throw things away. In Denver, we have a landfill that has a hundred years of space and they just want to load it up because every one of those trucks represents money. So is it likely to see a compost program take off that does what we all hope composting does, the answer is to me, just no, even the, even the composting programs that are here. And I, the, the phrase talk trash, it's, you know, it's like, Hey, pun, pun intended, but like the bigger you get and the more profit seeking your motive and the more disconnected from your community, there's just no checks on what ends up being in that finished compost or who got paid what along the way. And it's all behind a scene, you know, it's a screen, you know, or like a, a curtain, how to bring all that back home is well within our reach composting is not complicated you can make it as complicated as you want with asp systems that's aerated static pile that's an awesome way to do it or you can make it as kind of niche within a niche as you want with vermiculture vermicomposting and produce a super high value finished compost that you might use for who knows what maybe cannabis in this area but the point is is that you can get into it and you can be responsible for that whole path of where that stuff goes, who got paid what, what's this product to be used for. And for us, the biggest, the, the meaning that you can hear is that it's going to grow our food to our soils in our community to heal our toxic uh, environment. And literally, I mean, in my case, I'm feeding my two babies, this food, it really matters to me how it's done. So when when that level of buy-in is just stacked upon stacked, it just, uh, it resonates. It feels really good to be a part of. It, it feels like, we can do more. And so that's, that's actually why we wanted to be on your podcast. And I'm so glad you invited us is just to let people know it's not that hard to get into. You can do it where you're at.
0: Yeah. The collective cooperative model, I think like what you guys are doing highlights what I think we should be, you know, I think a lot of the audience that listens to this is, I would assume pretty left-leaning. And, um, I think a lot of the people listening are also aware of the shortfalls of homesteading, but still kind of fall into that trap of I'm going to compost, I'm going to grow my vegetables, I'm going to have chickens, I'm going, you know, I'm going to individually do all of these things, instead of thinking about that bigger picture of, I don't need to do all of these things. I have, I have a community, and there are people that are more into composting, like I, I compost, but I'm bad at it, because it's just, it's, it's low on my list of things to do. And like, I, I... (laughs) you know, I, am not super like, I appreciate it. I respect it. I think it's cool, but it's in terms of all the things I do, it's not a priority. So it would make a lot more sense for me to be able to say, Hey, you care about this. You're much more informed about it. So I should be handing it off to those people. And I can focus on the things I care about.
1: Mm -hmm. We solve the riddle of how do you get paid to be there? Because when it's blowing snow or when it's 98 degrees, like these folks had to go through just, you know, last week, it's, you need to get paid. You need to be paid so you can make it through your life and that you can prioritize this work and be excellent at it. And to do that while you're producing food and trying to make a farm, you know, uh, function. I mean, Jimmy can tell you that multitasking is that's for the birds. You you know, you end up not doing great at any of them.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And it's good to know those things because then you can see how the impacts that you make about you know like your example of like people looking at a chicken bone like yeah it does compost so i'm just going to throw it in anyway mm-hmm. if you don't see how that impacts the do- has that domino effect you're not going to make conscious uh, smart decisions so it's important to be aware of how you fit into that system but not necessarily trying to do everything yourself mm-hmm. and that comes down to the buzzword community how do we how do we recreate community in a way that is meaningful and By creating that community, we can create these networks that we're talking about, these cooperatives, these collaboratives, where people can find what they're interested in and dedicate their their time to it instead of, like I said, trying to do everything less efficiently, less good. And I think that's really difficult. And I'm hoping as people listen to this, their thought is, I like composting. How do I get into something like this? Like If if you were to look at somebody who says, I listen to this podcast, I want to do something like this, how do I start? Like, I, I'm not going to go buy a truck and start going to apartment buildings. Like, what do I, what do
1: I do? Well, you, you could go buy a truck. <laughs> you really could. And people do, and people have all across the country in different cities, but, and, and I should say not even necessarily cities with a lot of rural context too, but it depends on ha, have you solved the riddle of how you get paid and have you solved the riddle of where well, all this has to go somewhere and it has to go somewhere quick. Like it needs to be in process fast before biology takes another turn. You know, so it's a disciplined process that it's better to, in my opinion, start slow, be more patient, at, but definitely find, I would say partners that you can rely on, but also partners that can come and go as you evolve your process. So um, because not everybody, uh, you know, you, you get involved in a partnership and then they, they, they change their goals and, and now you don't have a business model. So it, a lot of people will want to partner up, say, with um, a local food bank and maybe here's an idea partner up with a local food bank and get a grant you can get a grant for this and then produce your compost for community gardens solve the problem of not having too much material at one space by having a few community garden partnerships but even that system if that one partner that you had where your food is coming from stops functioning or changes their plans now your business model fell apart so i guess i just mean uh (laughs) diversify your portfolio and then learn what works yeah. from a real world perspective. You can come in with a theory all you want, but what did Fred Hampton say about that? You know.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. theories. Yeah. I, I was listening to you talk about this and I, I work with a local food pantry. And uh, one of the interesting things is you would think like, okay, you work with a food pantry, they're going to have like a diversity of foods and you're going to get like a little bit of everything every week. And it's instead like one week, I'll, there'll be 30 extra ducks and it's like okay you know it's it's not what you think of like i'm gonna get like a couple heads of lettuce and this and that every week some weeks you'll get like three boxes of eggplant and the next week like i said you'll get a a couple dozen ducks and it's like well some of this i can use some of this i can't use some of this will go in a freezer some -hmm. of this will go in a free fridge and then some of it will have to get thrown away even despite all of your best efforts because the system is just not really balanced to to deal with all these different, uh, ebbs and flows of certain products.
1: Mm-hmm. Isn't it different when we're looking at a one gallon pail and you see coffee grounds, banana peels, eggshells, you see apple cores, that's potassium, calcium, nitrogen, it's all of all of what you want in your finished compost. So if you start with that end in mind, you're going to a produce a fantastic product, but B have it in a manageable situation for yourself. So you're not trying to chop pumpkins with an ax out back, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what I have the sheep for. Uh, Just toss it to them. Thanks for tuning in to the Poor Proles Almanac. We've been exploring new areas of content, including new podcasts, such as Tomorrow Today and the scene. with yours truly, but also building a network with folks like Death and Friends. We're also building gardening resources and have a bunch of other content coming in the future. If you'd like to get more information or to sign up for our newsletter, where we announce new projects, head over to poorproles.com and click on the our email list tab. The email list is only used for important newsworthy content, and we won't clog your inbox and you'll get less than six emails a year. That's poorproles.com at the Our Email List tab. So what has been the feedback from the Denver community? You know, you've talked a little bit about marketing and like reaching out to people. Did you evolve your marketing style as you kept doing it, realizing there was only you had to engage with your uh, potential clients in a certain way? Or did you find that people are like, yes, this, this is something I've been looking for and I didn't know where to find it.
1: Yeah, you can speak with it.
2: Well, I can talk about the now. Sure. How'd you start?
1: You know, I started really timid. Jimmy, you were there back then where I just really, we we started on bicycles for one thing. So we were tooling around Denver with 300 pounds of compost on a bike trailer. Great quads. Yeah, yeah. You it. I mean, you could open a bottle of beer on those quads, but <laughs> until the knees give out, I'll tell you. But uh, <laughs> starting in that way, solving how to do composting right throughout the year—that's perfect. That's just great if you can sustain it because low income and uh, but low complexity. So, uh, and then building off that is how is how we did. But all the while, my the thing that kept me up at night was, you know, staying underneath the Colorado's uh, solid waste regulations limit. And I'll just tell you what that is for Colorado. It, it, you're, you're considered a composting facility if you're processing, if you have on your your site of processing 100 cubic yards. So if, if for your audience, a cubic yard is the size of a washing machine, three feet by three feet by three feet. So 100 of those, 100 cubic yards of brown material is the maximum you can have at a site. And you're thinking that sounds pretty good. I could do a lot of composting with that kind of volume but it's five cubic yards of food waste on site or in process. That is a small amount when you're actually getting into it. I'll tell you for us, that's like three weeks of our weekly pickup. Think of how many farm partners we have to have in order to have this cycle go. So constantly uh, concerned about whether or not we're going to get the state interviewing us about what's going on and whether or not uh, we need to shut down. That's just a, um, a thing that keeps you, really trying to solve the problems distribute the situation uh it keeps you honestly disciplined uh in a way i'm glad we did it that way because it forces us into more relationships but from those relationships i mean you see some of our staff here you know like so it makes a real community answer if you have to solve it in that way so i started super timid and i wasn't willing to shout it from the rooftops what we were doing so our marketing reflected that it was targeted flyering in areas where I knew we had concentrated apartment dwellers who were likely to be, I'm just going to say this informed about what composting is and why you would pay for it. Because some people are like, why would I pay you to take my trash? You know? And thankfully in a city like Denver, I don't ever have to answer that question. People seek us out because they're like, Oh, I know what you're doing. and I want it. You know, like this is an answer. Um, that's our audience. That's a, that's in business. You might, Say we're going to focus on four percent of a population to try to try to target our marketing. We're at like 04 percent. We really want the people who are really well informed, ready to sign up, and can keep the material clean coming in. And and from there, uh, it's just taking care of us to go that route.
2: And like talking about the, we talked about the negative aspect of community being a buzzword, but this is definitely the positive aspect of community being a buzzword because when you look at the word compost, it pretty much speaks for itself. But when you look at the flyers and you look and you see the person that's a part of it, that's giving you this flyer. I think a lot of people see it as why not, you know? There isn't much that I have to explain when I'm talking to someone. There isn't much that I have to, um, I, I don't, I really don't spend much time talking to people. They're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, that's it. Some people ask me, what is it for? And I just, as soon as I say that, you know, it, it, it goes to a farm, I mean their lives their eyes light up if they haven't already so yeah it's it's so awesome and talking to people when it comes to talking to people yeah we're just we're we're basically saying you know explaining what this process is or where this this compost of your food waste is going back to the farms and um go and growing vegetables so that you can have you can have them you can go into farm farmers markets and get Mm -hmm. peppers that Tastes way better, (laughs) way better than the grocery store.
1: Yeah. and If you want to do your own composting, because that's Mm -hmm. what all the cool kids are doing. uh, You come down to our farm and we'll show you how to do it. You know, we teach free classes and all that. So that's awesome. It's how to solve the issue of composting more than just go through us because we're the gatekeepers and we... Are the experts and we were the only way that you could possibly participate in your local food system or anything you know it's just where do we want to meet but here's how we get paid <laughs> and if you want the easier route i don't blame you because you got things to do we'll take your food waste
0: No, yeah. uh you've been doing this now for a decade is there anything looking back you should you know design things differently set up things differently anything you know in retrospect you'd say hey this seems like a good idea don't do it
1: yeah Yeah, that's a great question. And then I want to pass it off to Jimmy because he's been a farm partner. So the input he's offered us in shaping how we do what we do is essential. Uh, And he doesn't hold back. (laughs) He's got to say. So what I'll say is I'm so grateful that we've had to learn from what it means to be in a backyard setting to a community garden setting to a community farm setting. And then several community farms to answer the question of how do you make this work at a specific site with this crew and with the equipment that happens to be here on site? A lot of people think that oh, to be on this scale. You need to have heavy equipment. We don't have any heavy equipment. We have a truck that picks up the food waste. Pails are heavy. (laughs) heavy But, uh, you know, but we are partnering up with, more farm partners that happen to have a tractor on site because they already have that, that equipment for their field. So um, the maintaining of that pile can take on a different shape depending on where we're at. Or do they have electric? If they have electric, we'll set up an aerated static pile for a super controlled process. And uh, by the way, also anybody who's looking to get in on even a scale, like say you have a horse on your property, or in your case, you have sheep, ASP is a really good answer. It doesn't take much know how you can just kind of YouTube some videos, or you can ask us and we'll share what we've got. It's a great way to control flies, odors. It keeps volatile organic compounds from escaping into the atmosphere as greenhouse gas. It's a brilliant answer for how you kind of do all the things right. If you have enough material.
2: And you'll have to flip it. (laughs) That's
1: right. And uh, you're saying ASP? ASP, aerated static pile. It was a method kind of set up for horse properties in Maine, this was like in the 80s, 70s, and it never really took off with big industrial producers because they were so committed to the windrow system where you turn it so regularly. Yeah. yeah. ASP composting for anybody who has any kind of, let's just say you're producing, oh, I don't know, 40 yards a year, even something of that quantity. ASP is a great way to go.
0: So are you guys just doing traditional hot composting basically?
1: Yeah. So uh, we still use a windrow method. And especially on sites where we can rely on a farmer's tractor to turn it uh, because that's the heavy, heavy labor part of it. But when you do an ASP system, which was with our last farm partner, as Kira was saying, you just build the pile, you build it right at the start, you cover that thing up and it's just cooking for four months. You don't need to do anything beyond that. The ASP is a blower motor that sends air into pipes that you put under the pile and it just kind of burps out air every 30 minutes for 30 seconds. So that's kind of like a, the Johnson Sioux, is it? It's similar, except for it's powered by a blower okay. motor, like similar to the, what, what you would use for a bouncy castle, if you were going to yeah. have a kid's castle. Yeah. And you just oh, put that's it on cool. Yeah. So it's a more, we'll say industrial way to do the Johnson Sioux method. Uh, and it's going to be producing heat. So our goal has to be balanced. We want the highest quality compost possible, but we also need to process it pretty quick in order to keep under the regulations for what we can have at a given site for active compost. That was a big mouthful, but it, it's to say that for our sites, it worked yeah. and it's a good thing for that scale because they're actually trying to crank out hundred cubic yards for their site. So the more effective we can crank through material and then let fungal dominant, you know, situations take over after
0: uh, the better. Yeah. Have you guys played at all with like Bokashi or anything like that? Or are you just sticking to what you know?
1: Thankfully, we, we, uh, since we limit the meat at the start, uh, we, we're just going on that train. Cool. I haven't even messed around with meat bones, dairy, the kind of things that you would want to use Bokashi for. We are getting into vermicomposting and in order to do that, we're getting into vermiculture at our shop as in producing and breeding, breeding worm population. But, um, that's going to be, that's going to be an awesome new project to get into in the spring. Yeah, but I'm gonna cool. just it over Jimmy. Cause as the farm partner, we were just doing touring his farm. We're here at his, his place. Now he showed us, you know, our crew here, uh, the newer folk to the, the, uh, old processing site, And we just got to get really honest about what worked and what didn't. And so that's the feedback that shapes how we do what we do. But Jimmy, you want to talk about it? Yes.
4: So it's, 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 as as some of your listeners can imagine, if you have, you know, 500 gallons of rotting food waste every single week (laughs) (laughs) that you have to process, or else you're going to have a giant mess. You know, it was really important, you know, to to dial in the process of how we build the pile so that it cooks because, you know, because it could easily become more of a liability than an asset if we don't do it right. We have learned over the course of time, you know, from starting out with just, you know, bags of leaves that we collected in the fall with coffee grounds from coffee shops to you know kind of incrementally getting more and more compost that's like whoa okay we have to figure this out and you know it also varies with the different farms and you know the farm's proximity to other neighbors and needing to be accountable to other neighbors both in terms of you know any mitigating any potential smells Uh, mitigating any potential like unsightliness, you know, that comes along with this. I mean, we, uh, you know, have a really neat way to ensure that our piles get cooked all the way by, you know, we build these piles and then, you know, we take old compost that we've, that's already kind of finished and then we cover the new pile up with it. So it kind of looks really good and then it cooks really well. And it just, when we cover it, The new pile with about, you know, six inches to a foot of compost, old compost that's finished, it really heats up really well. And just to give a sense of like the volume, I mean, we make these windrows that are, you know, about 25 feet long, about 10 feet wide and about like six, seven feet tall, you know, and we do that with freaking pitchforks and wheelbarrows, you know, and then it heats up rapidly. And that is just what we have to do to just ensure that it cooks and it's just done. Okay. Move on to the next week, you know? And it's just like dialing in our process has just been so instrumental to just making sure that, you know, we are hitting these, you know, food safety thresholds. We're being accountable to the farm itself. We're being accountable to the neighbors and um, just trying to figure out like, holy crap, how, how do we make this work? I mean, you know, then once things are finished, you know, we have to sift the stuff. You know, we we make our compost piles with wood chips that we get dropped off from tree companies with leaves that we collect. And we can just kind of like scoop it and cover a field and till it in as is. But, you know, oh, there's another aspect to this of, of sifting it. Yeah. Um, that is a really whole nother arena of work that needs to be (laughs) done. And so it's just like, we're really trying to, you know, improve our process on how to streamline this, like how to truly be an asset for the farms. Because yeah, if we don't do it right, it's a mess. And it's just like, it's so much physical work. So, you know, it's just really trying to orchestrate this thing. And, you know, it's difficult, but it's not too difficult. So, you know, I don't want to give the listeners the impression that's like, this is beyond what's possible. You know, we've, we just learn a little bit Mm -hmm. every year, you know, it's just like gardening or farming. You just, you just do it and you learn what you learn and, you know, you have next year to get a little bit better at it, you know? And so it's just been this, you know, iterative process of, figuring out what works and
1: um for your listeners too like given the climate that you're in or the social context or where the resources are coming from or who your farm partner is all those things start to shape your processes more and more it's kind of wild to go in to a situation thinking you have a good theory a good model figured out and then to realize oops i'm actually inconveniencing these folks who are trying to grow (laughs) us food you know like we have to solve that. So being forced to have these relationships matter is, again, that's that's the, the actual, you know, community as opposed to the buzzword when you're, it's mutual aid and it's also mutual destruction. You better get it right. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah. So is there anything in particular that uh, stood out as uh, something you thought would work or would be like, I don't, I don't want to say common sense, but, you know, I, one of the things I feel like I'm always talking about is like, you see something on YouTube, but then you go and do it and it never works the way they did it on YouTube. Are there any of those types of things that you've experienced now having scaled up?
1: Innumerable. One of them right <laughs> here was that we, we collected uh, gosh, 1500 bags of leaves um, one year <laughs> and uh, <laughs> thought that we did the math. Right. And that was way more than we needed for that particular year. And they sat in black plastic bags. Well, the sun will degrade those black plastic plastic bags. And pretty soon you've got microplastics that you're, you're offering your environment. And that just takes tackling leaves that are full of spiders and full of, you know, mess and getting super nasty to get that plastic out of there. So it's just one of those things where as soon as you start working in volume, the bump on effects of, of, um, you know, going from paper bags to plastic bags from our collection area, it just wow, that changed everything. One little thing and it, oh boy, now we're in volumes. Mm-hmm. But you know, it is, it is, yeah, that that was kind of a disaster to get so many like five
4: years worth of leaves for you know, just about six months worth of composting. It's like, oh god, gotta, you know, remember to check the math next time. But anyways, you know, but you know, that part of it, you know, the collecting the leaves, I mean, we get uh paid to to you know people pay us a buck a bag yeah. for for the leaves and you know so we've we've also orchestrated this system with different neighborhood organizations to that will take the time to organize people in that in a particular neighborhood to put their leaves out for us and you know sometimes there's been years where we just kind of go up and down alleys but at this point you know people put their leaves out for us pay us it's yeah. pretty Convenient, so it, it's another way that we make this. It's an instrumental way to make this uh, whole process work. Um, but yeah, we got to get the you know numbers right uh, <laughs> with how many bags we do collect because
1: oh my god, it could be a lot, you know. And if if our company is putting a situation out there where Jimmy's got to be with a pitchfork turning yards and yards of compost, hot compost, it's like the, the man better be paid well, you know. And so <laughs> yeah. again with getting paid for your pickups, I think is just essential. And when you uh, have apartment dwellers versus say a household that might have 30 gallons of material, our average pickup is a gallon. And that person is paying us $6 a week. Now we live in Denver, so the cost of living is huge here, but $6 a week can go a long way in paying our workers and in improving our processes and fixing some of these bumps along the road. And when you have an informed, let's say, clientele, we call them members, It's it, you know, it, it, they're customers, but it's like they're a part of a process. When you have people who are informed about the environmental good that they're doing, but also the social good and that we insist on a living wage and these kinds of things is what you're paying for. It's a, it's, It makes it easy for them to let that money go. And then, of course, we have anybody who can't afford it. It's like, do you want 50% off? I mean, we even have some people paying a dollar a month because if it's a financial hardship situation, we'll totally go there. But when people come to us and they say, can we get a group discount? You know, can we, can we get our whole building signed up? Everybody's going to pay $6 a week because if you can afford it, uh, we need it.
0: Is there anything you guys that I haven't asked you that you guys think people should know about in terms of what you guys are doing or what maybe other organizations that are doing
4: similar work, uh, what they should know about that? Well, you you didn't ask if it's smelly and um, (laughs) yes, it is very smelly sometimes. Um, Drive with the windows down.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I like to say food waste stinks. Compost doesn't. So if it's in process properly, you should have a pretty earthy, if not musty odor, but certainly not a bad odor. Not the kind of thing that's going to get you having the state called on you or anything like that. That answer comes from what you would do in your backyard. It's the same problem that they have when they produce at this 400 acre site outside of Denver with the biggest equipment ever. It's the same issue. If you didn't get your pile recipe built right and your maintenance right, you're going to produce odor. So it's the same biology at play though. If you can do a backyard pile, you can do a community garden pile. If you can do a community garden pile, you can do a community farm pile and so on down the line. So if you are willing to go through that process of hands-on learning, as opposed to just what you heard out of a book or a YouTube video, I think you're going to be just as capable at it, at it as we are. Mm-hmm.
4: And, and I, I think I'll add to that. I think it's not quite intuitive for a lot of folks to understand that an entire third of the labor more than that even goes to, you know, cleaning out these compost pails Mm -hmm. every single week. You know, our program is we give, when people sign up, we give them an empty pail, like a gallon, two gallons, whatever it happens to be. And then they fill it out, fill it up over the course of a week. And then we come and pick it up and then replace that full pail with an empty and the process of cleaning those pails is enormous. Mm-hmm. And it is so, so much work to get this right and get somebody returned a, a clean pail that you know s- smells good and is just doesn't have weak old egg yolk or yeah. something. Yeah. So it's just so I, I just gotta so I I think that it's hard. Yes. Yeah. So I think people really gotta understand who who um are getting into this that you know there is this huge part of it of cleaning out these pails, cleaning out these buckets.
2: I will say, we'll say when you do get your, when you do get your bucket, it's odorless. Like these buckets are, you can have it in your place and it can be full. It could be moldy. It could stink, mm-hmm. but you won't smell it until you open that thing. And then you bum rush yourself mm-hmm. with your own, <laughs> your own stuff. Right. Mm-hmm, so yeah. Um,
1: yeah, the pail you select yeah. is a big deal. Um, we can share, what kind of pail we use, but it's a UN rated pail. That's made for disaster sites when they're distributing food, not really intended for wet food as much, but still it functions for our purpose. And we buy it in bulk. So we get a fairly good rate on it, but it's a ceiling pail. that screws down and actually has a locking lid. And there's the real, the, 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 the balance of how this program has to stay contained, right? It has to stay clean. Right. But it also has to convince say an apartment manager, that we're not going to be setting out nasty bags of gooey mess on your front steps of your building, you know. It's yeah. a contained program, and the pail is a huge part of why it works. So, I highly recommend people solve that problem too. Um, and if you want, you can take our pail. I mean, you, you, I'll send you one.
0: <laughs> Sean, for folks that have enjoyed this, are not scared away yet, uh, and want to <laughs> do some cool stuff, uh, or they just want to start getting their compost picked up by you, where can I send them?
1: Sure. Send them to our website. They can learn all about it, and it's really easy to sign up. It's Denver Compost Collective. That's with an I V E. com. Awesome.
0: Well, I appreciate all of your time. I know you guys are busy. You've got the. You're at the farm now. Hopefully, doesn't smell too much there. It means you guys are doing something right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks so much. This has been really interesting.
4: Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Andy. You.